Hey folks, today's episode is brought to you by my other employer, Road and & Track, and their new experience offering, Rally U. I just did the Road & Track Route to Vine event. I helped make the route, and it was amazing. The hotels were awesome, the food was awesome, the people were awesome, and the cars were awesome. And their next event is called Rally U. It's July 15th and 16th up in the Seattle area. They've got first-class hotels, first-class dining. The R&T staff will be there to talk cars with everyone who participates. Uh, but most importantly, it's got a half-day driving school at Dirtfish, uh, the most premier rally school in uh, North America. This is going to be such an awesome event. It's, it's a little shorter. Then the route to Vine, it's only two days, July 15th and 16th, but there are beautiful uh, Washington roads on the route. You've got the rally school. And the hotels and restaurants that they have booked are fantastic. I helped make the, the driving route for this one as well. It is going to be off the chain. So to check it out for yourself, go to roadandtrack.com slash experiences, and then just click on Rally U. They've got a few different experiences listed for stuff that's uh, upcoming later in the year, but Rally U is the one we're talking about today. So go to roadandtrack.com slash experiences, and then then click on the Rally U icon. Get involved yourself. I've done Dirtfish. It's really, really cool. And uh, I've seen the accommodations and the restaurants and the route for this one. It is going to be badass. We're also brought to you in part today by the Blackview dash cams. And now it's even easier to stay connected to your car and monitor it from everywhere with the Blackview DR750X two-channel LTE+. Plus. It is a mouthful, but each of those things mean something. Uh, each dash cam comes with an all-new Blackview SIM card, meaning you can easily connect your dash cam to the cloud straight out of the box. This two-channel Blackview dash cam comes with both front and rear cameras, and you can enjoy clear image quality day and night thanks to the full HD Sony Starvis image sensor at a wide 139 degree view angle. Blackview's LTE dash cam is what you really need if you're considering a cloud connected dash cam. It comes with a free Blackview app allowing you to connect to your cam directly over the cloud, get impact notifications, download videos to your phone, watch live view and more. And the SIM card, now included with the North American version of this camera, is all you need to connect to the Blackview cloud. The SIM card automatically activates upon powering up uh, after being inserted into the Blackview SIM reader. You just pick a data plan and get one month for free. And the ultimate peace of mind when you're away from your car is the cloud-connected dash cam with a parking mode accessory. Blackview automatically switches to parking mode to monitor your parked vehicle. Thanks to the video buffer. The few seconds leading to triggering events are also recorded. So when paired with the Blackview Cloud, parking mode lets your dash cam save event videos to the cloud in real time just as they happen. I love my Blackview dash cam. It makes me feel protected every time I leave my car parked, and I might even catch an amazing scene happening in front of me uh, like I did yesterday with the 12 o'clock boys going down Venice Boulevard uh, on their quad with passengers on the back. It was crazy. So go to blackview, B-L-A-C-K-V-U-E dot com 
slash TST to learn more about the Blackview DR750X two-channel LTE Plus dash cam and the Blackview SIM card. Use the promo code TIRE to get 10% off any Blackview dash cam. Free shipping for orders over $200. Blackview.com slash TST, promo code TIRE, baby. It's all about that dash cam. We're also brought to you today in part by Evercoat. Evercoat is a, a new product for professionals and home mechanics. Maybe you've got a dent in your car that needs fixing, or maybe you're restoring an old classic. Evercoat Body Shop has the right product for your project. Evercoat takes the guesswork out of bodywork. It's a simple three-step process, just prep, fill, and sand. Their perfect mix guide makes it easy to get the right ratio of filler and cream hardener. It dries in just 15 minutes, and it'll sand down 50% faster than the competition, so there's less waiting around. Evercoat is the number one brand used by professionals, and they can help you get professional results too. Find Evercoat Bonnie Shop products at your nearest Advance Auto Parts store. Man, this sounds like a good product. Go to Advance Auto Parts and ask for Evercoat Body Shop by name. It is, uh, whether you're a professional or just a home mechanic, it will be the perfect way for you to finish that body work on that project car and give you a flawless finish. And we're also brought to you in part today by Element. It's pronounced Element, but it's spelled L-M-N-T because it's techie, right? Can't have vowels. You must lose all vowels. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt and no sugar. It's true. The box says salty AF on it. It's very cheeky. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio with 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 600 milligrams of magnesium, but with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no filters, and no BS. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited to folks following a keto, low-carb, or paleo diet. Electrolyte deficiency or imbalances can cause headaches, cramps, fatigues, and weak fatigues, plural, and weakness. When you sweat, the primary electrolyte lost is sodium, and you can lose up to seven grams per day. When you don't replace it, it's common to experience muscle cramps and fatigue. Uh, I tried Element. I thought it was pretty tasty. Actually, uh, considering there's no sugar and considering there's none of those things that make drinks taste good, I was impressed. I drank some before my workout. I felt hydrated. I felt pretty good. A little less tired than normal. It was great. Uh, Element is used by everyone from moms and dads to NBA, NFL, and NHL players, Olympic athletes, Navy SEALs, and exercise enthusiasts. Element is so sure you'll love the product and come back for more. They're offering you a free Element sample pack. That's eight single serving packets for free. Just cover the cost of shipping, which is $5 in the U.S. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash tire. That is drink, D-R-I-N-K, L-M-N-T, 
dot com slash tire. This deal is not available on their regular website. You must go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash tire. Try it totally risk-free. If you don't like it, share it with a salty friend and we'll give you your money back. No questions asked. You have absolutely nothing to lose. Drink L-M-N-T dot com slash tire. All right, folks, today is a crew show. Zach and I talk about the new Range Rover he's been driving, the Audi S8 I was driving. Uh, We talk about why Elon Musk potentially buying Twitter and taking it private is a bad idea. Uh, I review my Mexican vacation, and we take lots of questions from the Patreon. It's a crew show. It's the Smoking Tire Podcast. Okay. Cool. Well, it's a show. Here we are. I have I am full vacation beard, and Zach is no longer Tom Selleck. <laughs> I yeah. You I really kept that mustache going for longer than I expected you to. Me too. I kind of had fun, and then I got lazy. I thought it was going to be gone like the second the fucking race was over. That was the original plan. Yeah. But I got enough people where they're like, "Oh, that's kind of fun and entertaining." I was like, "All right." And then I realized I can't just do a, a voice. When all you the got time. invited to your third orgy, you were like, "Okay, maybe this is yeah, too much." With the wrong <laughs> with the wrong gender. Uh, it kept no, it kept like I'm not used to the tickling. So like my lip and nose yeah. kept going like what's on my face and yeah. I was just looking at it at the hotel and I was like this comes off now. Yeah. So I lawnmowered it. Yeah. It went for a minute. Yeah, it did. Um, I was on vacation. I went to uh, went to Mexico. Yeah, went it looked to, nice. It was nice. I mean, well, it was nice and it was also not nice. Like, it was nice because we stayed at the Nobu Hotel. And for those of you who have never heard of the Nobu brand, um, it's a fancy schmancy Japanese restaurant uh, in L.A., in Malibu. Um, and they ventured out into hotels that are kind of extensions of the the brand mm-hmm. um the nobu restaurant at the hotel was eye fucking identical to the one in malibu really look feel the layout oh. the menu um but then they had like three other restaurants at the hotel one was a mexican one was a steakhouse one was like just one one used to be malibu farm but they ditched the brand the malibu farm branding and now it's just like the restaurant or something mm-hmm. but they're all fucking nobu it's like this one's like nobu does mexican this one is like nobu does a steakhouse so the food the overall it was the best hotel food i've ever had by a lot the f- hotel food was amazing also the most expensive hotel food I've ever had by a lot. Um, The food bill, food and drink bill was more than the bill for the room. (laughs) And I didn't, and I didn't get the, I didn't get the most expensive room. There was crazy fucking rooms. Sure. Suites and shit. Uh, But I didn't get the cheapest one either. My room had a private pool. It's pretty sick. Pretty nice, pretty nice fucking room. So it tells me like two years old. And I was very impressed the hotel uh, massage therapy. Normally, you go to a resort. The quality of the massage will not be great. Mm. Like it, it'll be okay, relaxing, whatever. They get the nice spas and the hot tubs. But it's like if you get like sports medicine massages regularly because your body's fucked up, which I do. I've never been impressed with any resort massage, and they're like triple the price of a sports medicine massage too. And so I was more impressed with that than I thought I would be. So shout out to Nobu for that. On the other hand, on the way in, 
these motherfuckers tried to sell us a timeshare. <laughs> like they're like building residences next to the hotel. Right. And after it's not that long of a flight, but like flight, customs, all that bullshit. Now, and then you're in the, the car and it's like a, a drive an hour or so from the airport to the hotel. You're kind of tired. You're there. The check-in procedure was very long. And at the very end of the check-in procedure, because they, they do ask you about all your preferences. They help you make reservations for the restaurants, like right when you get there. But you're kind of like, motherfucker, I'd like to go to my room. Mm -hmm. And then they go, here's the map of the resort. And here is where your room is. Here's where the pools are. Here's where this is. And here is where our new residences are. And we can give you a $300 credit if you take the, 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 the meeting. And we're like, I'm sorry. Are you... Are you fucking time sharing us right meeting, now? Yeah. And it was like, you know, everyone speaks English there, but it was uh, like, I don't know if they understood our contempt for that part of the process. It did not feel luxurious at that moment. They never brought it up again, fortunately. <laughs> yeah, you sent the right signal. To I them. sent the right signal. It never brought it up again. And throughout my stay, I saw people in the lobby taking the fucking meeting for this. People were, they might want to buy a hotel were going for People do that, man. Like Ritz Carlton stuff. They have the residences. Yeah. And people want to buy that. And, and, and I, I, I guess there. there's a kind of person for whom that does make sense. It ain't me. And I'm glad that at the first no, they let it go. But like, I was like, you motherfuckers. Like, I just got here. You're trying to sell me a timeshare. The Range Rover launch was at a very, very nice As of course, of course. resort in like near Napa in Sonoma. Yeah. I've only been there a year. It's what like was it called? Montauk. Oh, yeah. And it, uh, we looked it's, at that for the road and track thing as one of the options. Really nice. And the yeah. rooms are really nice and all these other things. And they also have residences they're building. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I guess if you want to live up, you know, go up there to your own place yeah. occasionally and, and yeah. stay on a vineyard, sure. And then just walk down to a restaurant. I don't know why you do that instead of just renting a hotel room. The other thing I learned about Cabo, like, so Cabo San Lucas is at the very tip of the Baja Peninsula, the little finger that hangs off of Mexico, right? And, and it's... Cabo is fucking Cape, right? So the actual city is facing dead south in a, in a Cape, right? It's very protected by mountains on both sides. So it's very calm water, not a lot of wind. It's hot, mm -hmm. right? The sun fucking cooks down there. Uh, most of the la for the last 20 years, most of the resorts are on the eastern Sea of Cortez side of this peninsula. The wind comes off the Pacific. It's all, it, you know, so those these so resorts. they all face east? They all face east, Got right? It. Nobu faces west. It's on the west side, the Pacific side. So it's fucking windy. Oh, but you get sunsets. You do get sunsets. It was beautiful. And one of the days it wasn't that windy, but three of the days it was like fucking blowing. All day long? Pretty much. Oh, I wonder it if went, that's a seasonal thing. It might have been. They, they, a couple of the folks there were like, yeah, it's a little windier than normal. But, uh, but just something to consider if you're going to – we didn't actually think about it, which as someone who lives on the beach in California, I probably could have put that together. But it, it didn't say anywhere like, oh, by the way, Wendy's a motherfucker over here. They're not going to say that <laughs> um, sure. Well, no, and like TripAdvisor or anything like that. But, um, but uh, if you kind of like the main part of Cabo – it's so fucking hokey and touristy, and you can only buy garbage. Now, granted, there's some excellent street tacos, like awesome, straight-up local cash-only tacos that we had that were, like, superb. And for, like, $4, I got a mm -hmm. torta that was the size of this fucking Porsche. Jeez. Like, I, I thought it was going to be, you know, normal torta size, which is, like, the size of, like, a... 
you know, a, a Big Mac, right, in diameter. Right. Instead, I got one that was like a foot long and like four inches high. Holy crap. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, and, uh, but like, it's, there was three, the one day we went into town, there's like three cruise ships unloaded. It was like 10,000 people fucking dumped in this city. And it was just a shit show of fucking epic proportions. So you want to really, if you're going to go to Cabo, you pretty much want to find a great resort that has lots of stuff for you to do there, you know, or maybe just sit by the pool or sit, whatever. But like, don't go to the public beaches because they're a shit show of like people trying to sell you garbage mm. and and tourists that are just like really annoying. And I realize that I say that as a tourist, but like annoying tourists, the kind of tourists you don't want to be around. Um, but uh, yeah, hey, I, I eat a lot of good food, a lot of good food. Nobu doing a steakhouse. I'm pro- that's probably good. Fucking aces, aces. How was their Mexican? Uh, great, but heavily shellfish focused, and my wife is allergic to shellfish. Oh. So there, what I ate was really, really good, but there was kind of limited to what what she, she could. She had have. the butter noodles <laughs> <laughs> off the kids' menu. Yeah, but but no, they gave a fuck down there. They did a very nice job, and the pool was baller. The like the the, the, the we had a little pool, like a mm-hmm. plunge pool at our room, but like the main pool was fucking baller. And it was a there was a fan, his name was Nick, fan of the podcast, was getting married down there. Uh and it was the only fucking fan experience I had down there was this dude Nick and his his mom was like, My son is a big he didn't want to come up to me. And his mother flagged me down, which was very nice of her. That's cool. And we chatted with them for a little bit. Great place to have a wedding. Did they ask you to minister the wedding? No, but they did invite Hannah and I to their 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 dinner, which we did not take them up on. But it was very that nice. That could go two way. That could go a great way or a bad way. Yeah, he, this dude. This dude's got an R eight V eight stick and nice. uh, and an old two thousand and two. Nice chap from Canada. Well chosen Nick. from Vancouver. Yeah, man, man of taste. And he was doing a week in this at Nobu for his wedding. Like fucking not a lightweight. This one. No kidding. But I, I I would recommend this hotel definitely. Like, it was fucking cool. Just look up the wind seasonality uh, if you plan on you know sitting by. It's the like pool. going to Hawaii in December. You're like, oh, why is it gray and raining? <laughs> it's like because it's December. You know, so there's a busy there's a busy season, and there's a reason it's busy at certain well, seasons. Well, you know, it it was 78, but 78 with a 15 mile an hour wind is not really 78, is it? Right. You yeah, know? you don't want to lay by the ocean. Or you by jump the in the pool time. and you get out and you're like, I'm cold. Like what the fuck. But, um, and it was a nice, uh, you know, it's hard for me to like not do work. It's hard for me to not do stuff, you know, to sit by the pool or at the beach and like read a book. I tried very hard it's to hard. not text you. I think I had to text you twice. I mean, it was okay. I didn't mind if you texted me, but like I, but I usually need an activity or something. Yeah. So it was hard to. You're not good at sitting. No, but I read. Didn't you read like five books? I read two. Yeah, I did. I read one called uh, Setting the Table by Danny Meyer, this like celebrity restaurateur, a bunch of chefs in New York, uh, a bunch of restaurants in New York, and he started Shake Shack. Oh, okay. It's Shake Shack. Guy. I've still not had Shake Shack. I was going to go good. to it at the Charlotte airport, and the line was humongous, yeah. and I went, never mind. For what it is, it's pretty good. It's a burger. It's a fast food burger. That's, it's a fast it's, food burger, but- Generally made by people who give a little bit more of a fuck. Right. Okay. Five uh, guys, or is it like that? Level? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it's a normal hamburger. Yes. That's good because like McDonald's and Burger King to me are not normal. No. Hamburgers. No. Yeah. They're... It's a burger made of cow. Right. <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I. But this book was, in theory, it was about the hospitality. 
industry and how to how to really set high standards for hospitality. And here at Westside, we are in the hospitality industry, and so I thought I could get something out of it. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot of. Um, he really congratulated himself a lot. The, he, there were some times he talked about failures, and there was some. There's probably 15 pages of great advice about hospitality. How long was the book? 340 pages. Oh, yeah. that is not a, that's not a, the right percentage. That's five. That's <laughs> not the right percentage. Five percent of yeah, the was, book was useful. It was not the right Whew. percentage, but I got I did get through it. Yeah, yeah. That's like a, a Doritos bag where five percent of the interior <laughs> is chips and 95 is air. Like <laughs> fuck. Yeah. So anyway, uh, while I was gone, you went to go drive uh, the new Range Rover. I did. Was it awesome? Yeah. It's really very, very, very nice. The it last one, I, nice. the last new Range Rover was in 2013 when I went to Amangiri, which is inc- the sickest hotel in America, probably. They rented the whole place. And the car was like, holy fuck, this is incredible. I mean, it's the next step of holy fuck this is incredible so it's it's all new chassis all new unibody bunch of new tech jamal hamidi is like the technical director now and jamal rules he's super cool he used to run you know svt back in the 4gt and raptor days um yeah jamal hamidi was responsible for the 04 to 06 4gt the modern shelby gt500 mm-hmm. and the raptor yep yeah and, and the shelby gt350r yeah yeah that's and that that's, was his that's last project Proudest achievements, he yeah. said. We had, uh, he sat at my table for dinner, which is really cool by happenstance. So I sat with him and Lynn Woodward um, and Al Vasquez, who was like my driving partner. But so th- the interior of this car just continues to take steps forward. Like I remember the last one when it was new. Yeah. Was a big step forward in materials, design, like just the mix of it was an interior made wood. of pillows. Basically. This is less pillows. Um, it just looks and feels more opulent, but everything you touch is really nice. Mm. Even the synthetic leather is really nice, and then the real leather is, of course, really I nice. I remember Jamal tweeted or put something on Instagram about the wood, how difficult it was to get the wood panels to like line up in the interior. Everything is tight. Yeah. Tight. The, the, I saw one stitch that wasn't perfectly straight like out of three cars I sat in. And it was just where like a T-junction, where one yeah. stitch meets another, so it tugs on it a little bit. Uh, it looks really, really tight and really pristine, and I mean, it is a very luxurious place to sit and look at. And the first one I got in was uh, like a dark, dark blue interior, and this was a long wheelbase car, four seat setup, uh, and oh, the chauffeur deal, the chauffeured one with yeah. like the automatic reclining seats. I mean, it's like sitting in business class. Yeah, it's crazy. And then um, I drove a first edition for a day, and that was all white interior, which looks great and makes quite a, uh, an entrance. But you go. Well, in six months, how clean will any of this look? Mm-hmm. And then the the, um, the last one I drove was the most expensive one they have right now, which is like the sorry third most expensive. It's the SV. There's like the insignia That's the line. That's the fast one. Well, they they have a bunch of them that actually have the same 4.4 liter twin turbo V8. Mm-hmm. This is not like the SVR. The SV is like the autobiography plus. Oh. And so it has um, certain material choices, certain color choices, and it's like 250 grand. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. So they have. They figured it out. Well, like, I, they watched what Urus and Ventega and Cullinan did. Yeah. And they went, we could sell it for what? Yeah. And then they were like, well, f- fuck, put more leather in it, yeah, goddammit. Yeah, like, yeah. Let's, so uh, the range I drove, like the price range. Is that new? Like That's an all new engine? 4.4 uh, twin turbo. Uh, yeah, but it comes from BMW, I think. It's oh, like is it, it's BMWs? Oh, yeah, 4.4 yeah, liter. Um, I mean, the spread is crazy. You can get one for like 104 grand, like base base. But then. Do they have one of those there? No. Yeah. The, the cheapest one I drove was the. P400, which is the V6 turbo that's a mild hybrid. 
Oh, so that's the same as the cruiser. Defender engine. Yeah, same as the Defender. It's engine. an inline six. Yeah, inline it's just six. Like, Su- twin charge, super and turbocharged. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Like the car is heavy. It yeah. feels a lot slower than the um, the the uh, Defender did. Yeah. Uh, once you're up to speed, who really cares? I think. I'm more excited for the upcoming plug-in hybrid, which is like 50 miles of range, oh, 87 be cool. miles an hour. And then in two years, they're going to have an EV version coming out, which is going to be like, that's where this should be at, really. Yeah. Um, so everything was very, very nice. Looks great. Feels great. There are so many bells, whistles, and motors in this car. Like owning one of these out of warranty, possibly even in warranty. <laughs> I mean- Good luck to like, you, son. <laughs> one of the executive packages, the long wheelbase- you have to press a button in the back console to get to your cup holder, and you wait for this motor get to extend. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. It's, it was oh. the five-seat configuration where you fold down the middle seat, and then you have, like, the full executive armrest, which mm-hmm. is pretty sick. Like, all right, now you kind of have the best of both worlds. But waiting 12 seconds for that to open was funny. And, you know, if the cup holder breaks in this car, yeah. God forbid, like, the executive will be upset. Yeah. Um, two grand to fix the, the cup right. holder. Right. So I didn't have a lot of complaint. Like, there's that, and then the... Um, the knobs to control the temp and the fan are like three function knobs. Mm-hmm. So remember Audi when they first came out with that, where you could you know spin the knob and then you push it and, and it, it does chooses different fan. stuff. Right. Yeah. So this one is similar, but it's like you push and pull. Oh. But the knob, the depth of it itself is like half not an inch. really enough so to it's not, pull. Yeah, it's kind of you know it's an Alex Honnold handhold. <laughs> and that's a good line. It's uh, you it use is, that one. That's nope, a just good thought line. of it. That's too bad. Of course, that's hindsight for me. <laughs> Voiceover. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that that was just a little bit weird, but I, th- I think most people use automatic temperature control. I yeah. don't use that, but that was kind of bothersome. Um, driving is fairly good. The all the all models come with rear steer now, from bottom to top. Mm-hmm. The rear steer is great. Like you know, when it's invisible, it's yeah, great. Yeah. It's invisible, and when it's working, or sorry, when you do a tight turn, like the turning radius of the short wheelbase one is that of a golf. And the long wow. wheelbase turning radius is the same as an Evoke. That's pretty fucking good. It's really good. Yeah. Like we did some super light off-roading. The only difficult part was like the switchbacks, which were meant to clearly highlight the rear steer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it works. I mean, this is like a really tight, you know, 160 yeah. degree corner, and this big ass truck just went and just yeah. pivoted and worked right around it. But then rear steer is cool in the canyons, fuck. you didn't feel it at all. It didn't have that weird drifting effect. Where like the, the back Luso is following, the, yeah, yeah. Where it feels like your axle's three bolts loose. Right. Um, ride was fine. Steering is super, super numb. Like you were driving by sight, which is kind of weird. It was weird in the mud because you don't know which way the front wheels are are turned. And then twenty three. The last wheels, the, the last Range Rover was like that. The steering is pretty vague. I mean, I think a lot of the market doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And a lot of them are also probably. Uh, People that don't want a high effort steering wheel. Right. So like, yeah, but I just found it. I only cared when we were in mud and I was like, how far my wheels turned again? Like, mm-hmm. I can't really remember. That was the only time it kind of came up. Yeah. But and you know, 23s. 23s, they make a ride that should be an absolute carpet, like floating cloud, busy. Yeah. Over really, over bumpy pavement uh, in the canyon that we were in. It was like it never felt settled because it's just shuddering across yeah. these like you're driving on a cobblestone road. And the the cars we've driven with Magride that had 19s, I didn't feel that. The Rivian didn't do that. Like 20, 23s are gigantic. 23 is like is like beyond what I mean. Yeah. The Rivian it was like the upper with 22s. It still had a bunch of sidewall. Yeah. Um, 
and and that's kind of the upper limit of what I want on any vehicle. Like I, a big SUV, twenty twos is like you you can stop there. Yeah. I think the Urus might have had twenty threes actually. I think it did. We didn't the uh, we didn't drive the Urus on a road. Do you remember the road? But when we I drove, drove in- the Urus off quote off road, even Lambo planned this out. Like it was the off roading was sand. It wasn't oh, right, like because right. yeah. they weren't. You're not going off roading this thing. This is pure Habibi toy. This is like, just in case the Habibis want to know if you can go in the dunes with one of these, you can. Like, yeah, that was or like pretty drive much drive down it. your sand driveway to your estate. Yeah, or yeah. snow. It's not for rocks. No, I agree. It's for soft, soft, low-grip surfaces. And I have no problem with that. It was just the on-road ride yeah. was, would shudder, even on expansion joints that's and things, not because of the, the rims are too big. Yeah, that's you not can good. order... You can order 21s, but I, I think a lot of that depends on what spec you order. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't think you could get an SV with 21s, but I spec'd one out that was, like, a normal wheelbase big engine with 21s and had meaty sidewall. And, like, I bet that will ride way, way better. Yeah, um, probably. Yeah. So, I mean, is it going to be they're going to sell every one they build? I think they're going to sell tons of them. Yeah. Because it, it, it looks better than a Bentega. It's a little bit cheaper. I mean, it's just they have so much brand cachet in this space. Like, they made this market, right? They made the luxury SUV a thing. And I don't think you'd have Cullinan and the rest if you hadn't had Range Rover first. Yeah. And now they're like, all right, well, let's just make a more expensive one. And the interiors are really, really nice. And you see one go down the road, even if you see a used one, like it says something about that person. Yeah, you look rich. You look rich. Yeah. So I was talking to Ken Panton. So he was there. and, and He's he, fucking great. He was at the S8 funny. event with me like yeah. two days before that. And we can talk about the S8 as well. That guy's busy. Um, yeah, he lives on the fucking plane. No shit. Yeah, I mean, he I was like, I'm going to go to Delta Lounge. I was like, I don't have that status, <laughs> so I'll see you later. Uh, and maybe you could speak to this. I've never driven a, a Cullinan, but he was like, well, if you're going to spend 270 or 250 on you know, the Range Rover SV, like, why would you not get into a Bentega? Because the Bentley brand does have an even more luxurious cachet and advertises your wealth even better than the Range Rover brand does, right? Yeah, but it's heinous. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he's right. It's one thing if, you, if, you, if you've got the money to stretch to a Cullinan, God bless. Have fun. You you look rich now. Mm-hmm. But Bentegas, to me, like, don't just, they just don't look very good. I mean, there's very few specs of Bentegas that actually look nice. Totally agree. And I found them to be, like, fairly underwhelming on the inside. Like, they're nice, but I'm not, like blown away by them by any means they're comfortable they're well made the materials are good we've got a, we've got like three of them here at west side um but i've i've never been blown away by any of them either from a dyna- driving dynamics or mat- like it's they don't feel like that much nicer than a really nice audi or mercedes or something yeah yeah like the bente remember that the Maybach uh gls that was nicer than a Bentega. It was. Yeah. It was $100,000 less. 100000 That was a bargain, considering yeah. how nice and comfortable the Those interior was. Those things are underpriced. I can't believe I'm saying yeah. this, but the, but that thing is actually underpriced. To get that level of interior from the Range Rover, you're spending two. Yeah. Like you are. Now the difference, of course, is that the outside of the Maybach. Not look, great looking. Looks bad. But, yeah. Um, Certain colors can help. You can get yeah. it, You can get them in the right color where it actually kind of works. You, the color we had was weird. Just, just do full black and do the delete the uh, emblem on the front. I saw one that was in all white with oh, okay. silver wheels, and it, it might have even been white with like a silver stripe, and it was pretty cool. Like I, I you, he looked like like a Coke dealer or like Floyd Mayweather, but like 
It's pretty oh, yeah, cool. Floyd has a big collection of white cars. It's right? all yeah, all white. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with white, but it's 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 hard it's harder to spec that in an attractive color because of the two tone thing, and that's really strange. True. Um, they have they have some sick color options, like with the with the oh, Ranger, yeah, like bet. really cool, nice stuff. I, yeah. I I'm kind of I'm I'm sad I didn't get to do it because a Range Rover always puts on an amazing event. Their fucking hotels and food and shit are always crazy. <laughs> They're fired. Yeah, they have budgets. Yeah, um, they do. But but um, you know, it, it seems in photos and stuff like it's a really really nice, uh, you know, place to spend your time. Absolutely. How was yeah. the was the infotainment like fast fast? Yeah, oh, uh, reminded me of Rivian. Big screen. Oh, good. Reacts really quickly. Um, I had a problem the first car I drove the the first edition one, the screen, um, directly in front of the steering wheel. Like the center part of it was just black and it should have had nav. It should have had mm. all the things. And we got to our first stop and I was like, is this supposed to have something or is that only for like check engine lights? And they were like, oh, no, that's supposed to show stuff. And then later I got in a different car and it had all kinds of information and colors and nav and turn that's, by turn. And I was like, all right, well, did they, that, uh, that one's having a problem. You know, they said that the engineers are like probably just have to reset it. I mean, there's so many fucking computers and graphics cards yeah. in, in cars today. But that happened. And the car that drove us from the airport, uh, the window shade on the left side did not work. The one on the right side did work. I imagine these are all pre-pro cars. I, th- I don't think the first editions are. I think they're production, but the ones that I rode in from the airport maybe. Mm. I mean, again, there's so many things in these cars. Like, for I don't know. Yeah, but if they're really upping the price, the shit better work. It, you know, it it should work when it's brand new because it had like 1,600 miles on it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. There's uh, there's issues. I talked to Kyle Connor today um, from Out of Spec Podcast, and he was talking about Rivian like having a lot of problems that they're not really making too public, but like a lot of owners email him about oh, really? things that they can fix over the air. But it's like any any of these new cars that are complicated, which all cars are. Yeah. But the more money you spend, the more shit the is more in the car. The more complicated it is. The more complicated yeah. they are. And like there's just teething Even issues. like my, my Ford, like I picked it up from the dealer this morning. They, I, I don't know if I talked about this on a previous show, but they installed because, um, because of two things. One- because I'm me, and two, because my car is a really early car, um, my Mach-E I'm talking about, apparently the first couple thousand Mach-E's that they built all have had, have had some very similar issues. It's regarded the power windows. Like, remember, my windows would go up. Yep. The automatic windows don't work. Regarding um, the communication terminal, the way it communicates with, you know, it's a connected car, right? And then regarding uh, Apple CarPlay and some stuff like that. Now, it's never, as I've said a bunch of times, it's never affected the my ability to drive the car. It's never been anything more than a very mild annoyance. And some things they've been able to reset over the air, some things they reset at the dealer, whatever. But because I didn't, um, my dealer, um, who's been, they've been great, but they expressed to me some frustrations with, uh, you know, how how Ford, you know, like I said, like, uh, when you have these EV companies, like just, you know, Tesla has this really good over-the-air updating system, but they can't fucking screw a car together properly. Ford, the car is screwed together tight as a drum. It's probably the highest quality product they've ever built. 
but the the traditional dealers don't know how to fucking deal with this stuff because they're not computer science engineers, you know? And so I would talk to Mike Levine at Ford not to try to pull rank or to say, I'm fucking, I'm somebody, fix my, not because of that. I would, I said, hey man, now, just so you know, my dealer expressed frustration to me that they don't really have the resources all the time to deal with the Mach-E problems. One of the things they did was they assigned a Mach-E specialist to that dealer. They sell a lot of Mach-E's there. It makes mm -hmm. sense that they should have a specialist. The other thing is they got me in a sort of pilot program where my car now has a direct line to Ford Engineering. And apparently there's like 50 cars in America that have this. So I have a this I have like a black box installed on my car basically. And if I hold down the top of the screen, the car has to be stopped. Hold down the top of the screen, it pulls up for like 10 seconds, it pulls up a voice recorder. And I say, you know, Matt Farah, Los Angeles, blah blah blah. I don't have to say my VIN number or anything. That's all connected, but I say I just literally speak, here's what I was doing. Here's what I tried to make the car do. Here's what it actually did on December 4th at 2.04 p.m. And that goes directly to Ford Engineering. And then they can pull up the logs and possibly fix it over the air That's or cool. whatever. So that way I don't have to like go to the dealer. I don't have to call anybody. And it helps them fix the fleet. Now, the guy, my dealer said, this only happens with Mach-E's that were delivered before May of 2021. They said that none of the 22s have any of the fucking issues that mine have. Wow. So like, it's literally like early adopter mm -hmm. shit, right? They say that they've gotten, they've sold so many, their GM drives, and it's like, and all the cars that were built like February to, to April 2021 have a similar batch of issues. And so this is to help deal with that. Now, unfortunately, I leased the car, so like whatever, they're gonna take it back and you know, Whatever will happen to it will happen to it. But consumer advice, if you're buying one used, possibly avoid this this thing. Maybe they'll fix it or not, but there might be some little hiccups there. But like to go back to your point, you know, complicated car, first time either it's a brand new company or the company's first EV or whatever, it's it's might be a little iffy. Yeah, definitely. It could There's happen. Teething issues for sure. Yeah. Um, but as of, uh, what, like last week, we've had it for a year, April 7th, 21, we got it. So nice. we were all, almost 9,000 miles and you know, overall it's been, it's been really good. It's, Dude, it's, I like it. I, I like it a lot. lot. I haven't had to deal with the problems, but, um, even I the, like the it. problems yeah. are like, oh, to, for some reason today, like the icons for X for Sirius don't have little pictures. They're just words like. And then you shut the car off, and 20 minutes later, it's fine. Right. Or like, oh, if you press the auto window up, it goes up and then comes back down. But if you hold it up, it closes. Like, that's mildly annoying, but like, clearly it's a software glitch, and like, it's never stopped us from getting where using we need to go or using right. the car. It's always been like, ugh, this thing, you know, whatever. But um, I would, I mean, despite that, like, I would, I'd buy another one. Yeah, I'd, dude, I'd, I'd get I like it. I recommend sure. them. Yeah. Um, yeah, and apparently this is only an issue for uh, for the very early cars. Um, I drove the new S8. It's a facelift, facelifted S8 uh, last week in San Diego. I forgot how fucking awesome those cars are. 
I mean, what a car. Mm-hmm. That's fucking, that car is so boss in so many ways. It's really fucking fast. I mean, the car and driver ripped zero to 60 in 3.2. Whoa. And it's a 5,000 pound sedan. Whoa. Yeah. Um, you know, it's got the air suspension, which has been reprogrammed, but it also has these electromechanical uh, functions. So it scans the road ahead and it can pop the car up to avoid like a pothole or a speed bump. Or if it senses you're going to be T-boned, it can pop up oh, the right, side yeah, of the car yeah. into the crash structure. To make it, yeah. To it, also, it also uses that, these electromechanical things to lean into corners. So oh, it right, literally yeah. lean as you, it's got rear steer, it's got all wheel drive, and it can lean into a corner. Which is a fucking cool feeling, because you 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 really from the can you feel it? Is you it can tilt? definitely oh, feel it. Yeah, you can okay. feel it from the driver's seat. Although this, it's really designed to make passengers in the back more comfortable. So it tilts the car because the Range Rover uses GPS to like brace the side that will be tilted in a corner. Right. So it basically stays really flat. But it, it doesn't. Like, we're not talking up. about loading up the outside shock. I'm talking about literally lowering the inside of the car. And it can do it quick enough because of the electromechanical right? yeah, yeah. to keep up with steering. So that's cool. what that's what it uses the 48-volt mild hybrid for. And, like, when you walk up to it, you unlock it, and when you grab the door handle and open the door, it pops the car up two and a half inches to make it easier to get in and out of. Cool. Because they're, like, people like the crossover height ingress and egress. Yeah. And then you close the door, and it shh, back down. It's fucking it's badass. It's got the laser headlights. That do the little dance thing, um, seat massager, superb. The ride, exceptional. I mean, really, really exceptional ride. Uh, the brakes felt like they weren't going to fade until I stopped at my end of the video and realized they were on fire. <laughs> uh, so, how does the ride compare to the RX, uh, the RS7 that we had way better. last year? It's a wow. cloud. That was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, no, this is a cloud. Okay. This is a, a fan, this is like this is a, a pure glide. Like, I'm I'm driving the Mercedes EQS this week, mm-hmm. and compared to the S8, the EQS does not ride well. Wow. Yeah. Wow. No, it's it, the the EQS is really sloppy on the big stuff and uh, jittery on the harsh harsh edges. The S8 is pure glide. Yeah, the EQS is supposed to have like the, the porpoise issue, like it 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 yeah. reacts to a bump more than once. Yeah. Yeah, that's not. Good. Um, I mean, it's not horrible. But it's not. Uh, but it's not an S. It's not an S class. It's not an S class. But we've also been in cheaper cars where yeah. you go over a bump and it settles immediately. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what you want. Um, and uh, and the S8, you know, with the rear steer, uh, the turning radius is less than an A4. That's crazy. It's awesome. Rear steer is great for that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, it wasn't like revolutionary or anything, but like it reminded me, like, oh, this isn't. This thing is awesome. Like this, like. We don't talk about how awesome the S8 is enough in the world of luxury cars. Yeah. And it has, like, just so much trick shit in it. Um, You know, the GPS is great with that Google Earth view. Like, that, you know, the that that screen, um, I'm blanking on what they call it, the virtual cockpit. Virtual cockpit, now that they've really dialed it in and it's really fast and responsive, like, that's a great system. The stereo in this thing was a banger. I mean, it's I, I I'm 
I didn't, I didn't, I used their press release rather than my notebooks. I don't have the actual maker. Whoever makes it, it is awesome. It's a fucking sick, sick stereo in this thing. And it's pretty value priced. I mean, for what, for what they're selling Mm -hmm. for a full size sedan, it's long wheelbase only. And they've dropped the A8 V8. So the A8, there's no more L. They're all L now. The A8 is the twin turbo six and the S8 is the V8. And so the S8 gets more power and torque, plus mild hybrid, plus this crazy suspension shit, and all the fucking bells and whistles. There's There are some options, but, like, not that much because it's pretty loaded up. Um, it's like 125 to 135. It's a lot of money. I understand. I'm not trying to, like, be elitist. But, like, you are getting a lot of car. And the RS7 that we drove was 120 It was the same. And, yeah. And – and it wasn't the best sports sedan. It was more like a luxury sedan that pretends a sports sedan. So you could yeah. spend a little more and get what is aimed at being a luxury sedan. SA was more it. impressive than yeah. RS7, I think. The only, like, if you really, if your commute somehow involves the canyons, I guess the RS7 would probably be fine. But, like, in a straight line, the difference is pretty imperceptible. Right. And the additional luxury features of S8, I think, outweigh whatever you're getting with with rs7 it was very 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 nice like really impressive how nice it was and um i want to see what it the, looks like the uh 2022 uh 2022 yeah and the uh the mission pacific hotel we stayed in um was really nice it's a brand new hotel in uh in oceanside i really liked it yeah, there it's the the interior is on the uh, the gray one on the left there. Yeah, really nice interior, just simple, not like you know techy. Mm-hmm. Obviously techy. Haptic feedback on the touchscreens. Touchscreens are still not my favorite. I still really like some buttons for some things. Did they not have any buttons for some things? They really only had buttons for like volume controls. Um, Climate was all touchscreen. Range Rover is smart where they have – they still have buttons for climate, area, yeah. temp, and seat adjustment. That well, they great. want you to be able to do a bunch of things with gloves on. That's a big Range Rover thing. They want you to be able to, like, get your basics settled, like, with gloves I on. I yeah. think all cars – I hope all cars go back to having the basic buttons that we use a lot as buttons instead of the uh, the screens. Yeah. Um, but it's got you know it's got new front and rear uh, bumpers that make it look a little more aggressive. It's got the really cool um, laser headlights that are awesome. There's a there's it's um, there's like sunshades on every you know for everything. Right. You can you can fuck with anything from like any seat. You know you can move other seats from uh, from. It's from a good looking car. It looks uh, it looks small. I know it isn't, but just the way the proportions work. Yeah, it makes it. It doesn't make it look. It as doesn't. Long. It doesn't look huge. Yeah. And with the with the rear steer, it doesn't drive huge either. And it's dude. It's really kind of kind of understated. It's very stealth wealth. Um, when you're inside it, I mean, especially if you're fortunate enough to have a chauffeur. Mm-hmm. If you're when you're inside this thing, you are big. You're pimping. It's really really nice. Um, and it was, you know, just tight as a drum, silent in there, really well made, um, and and really, really very pleasant to drive. I mean, highway, psh, great. Uh, the ride in the city, we drove over some like cobblestoney mm-hmm. shit, 
great. They're, they're, whoever's doing their suspension tuning is good because we had the S5 that I thought rode very well. It did, yeah. and then the RS7 rode well, and, and the, th- the loaded S3 was oh, right. rode, rode drive, very yeah. well too. Yeah, but uh, this is a, this is a great car. I got a video coming out. We got Zach's got the Range Rover video coming out soon. I've got. Are we doing the S8 this week? Elantra is Monday. Elantra is Monday. Okay. All right. Um, and uh, I was I was very happy I got to spend uh, a half a day in this thing because it was badass. I really I really liked it. Good GT car. Fucking yeah. I would do, I would do a thousand miles in this thing, no problem. You at drive a zillion one, miles an hour. You drive one to Zion to go to that restaurant. Oh yeah, that would be nice. I'm driving a Lucid to um, Phoenix to go to Pearl Jam. That'll also weeks. be very nice. Yeah, it should Those be good. sweet. Marco's going to come with me. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. That'll be really fun. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's going on. Um, should we... We have should questions. We ta- should oh. we talk about why Elon Musk trying to buy Twitter is really bad? <laughs> if you want to, sure. It's really bad. I don't... Uh, I just... Just nothing... Nothing good could come of of a technocrat that doesn't like being criticized simultaneously saying that he's a champion of free speech and we need to remake Twitter the way he wants it, saying only I can fix this. There's nothing good that could come of that. Fortunately, as of today, uh, April 15th, it seems like the board... There's news this morning that it seems like the board is going to use this poison pill thing. Um, What's the poison pill thing? It's where they kill him. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, basically, like, in a hostile takeover, right, He w- if he literally wants to take Twitter private, mm-hmm. right, to go from public, he has to buy everybody's shares. They all, everyone has to sell. And if people refuse to sell, he has to keep upping the price until they sell. Like, so he could take over 51% of the shares, and then he could that's all he needs to to change management and to make corporate decisions or whatever and fucking run the company to the ground if he wants hmm. um but if he literally but it would still be public if he wants to take it actually private to where he can just do whatever the fuck he wants he has to buy everybody out wow so if including people, public shareholders right yeah yeah and so if people don't want to sell, you know, it could be like that fucking house in the middle of the city. Right, <laughs> right. Know? We're talking about, yeah. You know? Surrounded by uh, commercial buildings. Right. Yeah. But it seems like in order to resist a hostile takeover, the board of directors can use this, what they call the poison pill technique, where they have to open up to bids from other people. Hmm. Before they go, okay, we'll take your bid, they get enough to go, anybody else? And that could really throw some fucking... It seems like the board, and I'm not, this is, I, my wife works there, I am not divulging, I'm only talking about things that are, as of today, public. I'm not talking about anything I've heard her talk about in private or, or anything like that. Um, fortunately, nothing that was talked about in private over the last few days has not really been been made public, right? It's, it's everyone kind of knows where we are as of today. Um, but, you know, here's a guy who disbanded Tesla's PR department because they didn't want to deal with criticism. And instead, their their marketing strategy is to have a, an affiliate sales model by having their super fans have codes that they, you know, that they could use. That's affiliate marketing. And by launching cars into space and figuring out how to associate Tesla with SpaceX and space travel in the future and not dealing with 
anyone in the media at all. So then he also, you know, swats whistleblowers, smears journalists, and does basically does not and 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 smears critics, right? And encourages his followers to do the same while saying, I'm a free speech absolutist, which is absolutely fucking untrue. Um, and so the idea that someone who and, and Niedermeyer had a great thread about why Twitter is more important to their success than almost any product they've ever sold. Mm, um, um, worth reading. There's also a fucking study that was done just last week um, proving that uh, one in five pro Tesla tweets is a bot. They have heavily, wow. heavily bot influenced um uh, 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 marketing on Twitter. So being able to control that message and literally own, like, it's not, you're not defending the public town square. You're owning the town square. Right, yeah. You're not saying that, uh, that this should, this, I want to fix this so it's in the best interest of everybody. It's saying, I'm going to fix this so it's in, so I can make the rules and do whatever the fuck I want to do. That's probably what would happen on the back end for sure. Mm -hmm. And I saw an interesting counterpoint that was like, well, it's currently Twitter's owned predominantly by like BlackRock Investments, Saudi Prince Fund, like a bunch of other people. Sure. So we don't, I think the difference, because I do think there is validity to that point of like, well, you know, they might have an agenda as well. The difference is that they don't publicly speak about their agenda. Right. Whereas Elon does to a degree, and it's one person versus eight, let's say. Right. Well, holders, uh, one, so. yeah. And, and there's a difference between a shareholder or a fund that is a, a shareholder and a board member, and then the biggest shareholder that was elected to not join the board, which would actually restrain. His purchasing power to fifteen percent. He couldn't buy more than if no. He was on the board. He was on the board. Mm -hmm. You can't buy more than fifteen percent. And also, if you're on the board, you must act in a way that is beneficial to the company. You can't be on the board and then tweet shitting on the company publicly. You're not allowed to do that. If you're if you're on the board, you have to act in the best interest of the board and in the best interest of the company. Now, I'm I'm not saying like the fucking. Saudi royal fund is like great people or anything, but I don't believe that they influence the the rules at Twitter as shareholders. As a shareholder, you have certain rights. You can ask, you can demand time of the executives and mm -hmm. meet with them and and whatever. And most of the things, like the edit button thing that they are that the media is uncritically giving Elon credit for, were in the works for months before he anyone knew anything about this. This stuff doesn't happen in a fucking day. It was that stuff was going on for months. And I I believe the edit button personally is a terrible idea because Twitter is an excellent record of what someone has said mm, and being point. able to change it. Like it'd be cool if there was a time limit. Well, on that's the edit. what I was talking to like Hannah about minutes. this. Yeah, like if you could fix your typos. You know, you tweet and there's a five minute countdown yeah. of you can change this for this much time. I could use that. But like, imagine and and Hannah gave me a great example. She's like, imagine you tweet, "I love cats," and someone someone's followed me too. They're the best. And me too. I, I support that. Absolutely. Blah, blah, blah. And 10 people support it. And then you go back f five days later and change cats to Nazis. Right. Well. <laughs> and all those replies are left there. Right. Yeah, and now you have a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> and so you can't. So, so I'm anti-edit button, although I am pro-typo button. 
Yeah. Fix your spelling button. mistake. Typo button, not not an after the fact edit button. Yeah. And and I know somebody who would love to be able and go to go back and edit their own fucking tweets. Elon Musk would love if his tweets weren't such a good record of his behavior in real time. I mean, a lot of people, people, people that I think speak too freely and just throw shit at the wall. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That, but they would, but, they would use it. But, you know, as a publicly traded company, they have a lot of responsibility to a variety of different people, a variety of different voices, uh, both inside the company and shareholders. Um, and and to have a technocrat, you know, and oh, by the way, you know, I'm not super so happy about fucking Bezos owning the Washington Post or or any technocrat owning a major media outlet. Um but but I don't think Jeff Bezos is 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 trying to champion himself of fucking free speech with that. He I've I've not heard that. And maybe 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 he is. Maybe he is and I missed it. But like I just think that someone who is such an online bully Right, he's much more. Elon's much more vocal. Yeah, about what he likes and does not like. Right, so it's kind he, of like we can see him coming down the road. Yeah, where you know other people, there's plenty of other entities that you know is subjective if they're good or bad, but like own media companies, and right. that's like the larger discussion is should things like Facebook or Twitter, things that have, were were private companies turn public that then have basically become the public square. Right. Should they be public utilities? Right. You know? And I, and I think that's an interesting debate, and in my opinion, maybe they should. Uh, but what you shouldn't have is someone that is a true technocrat, but also is an, a proper online bully, being able to fucking buy the platform that he uses for his online bully. Right, because then we don't know what is happening um behind the curtain, yeah. you know, down the road, what's being changed, what things are, what kind of messages are being promoted, not prom- I mean, that's already happening. Yeah. Um, it'll just, it would have a, a a larger distaste. Yeah. I think I'd be more concerned about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very anti this and, and the bot filter function would probably uh, get thrown in the closet if, yeah. if uh, he got in charge. Yeah. And a bunch of fucking crazy <laughs> disinformation people would probably get let back on. A bunch of people that have been thrown off for fucking disinformation. Yeah. Which, uh, oh, by the way, he's been used. He's used the platform to spread disinformation, a variety of it, from bullshit about things his cars will do to COVID disinformation. Like, he's done a bunch of that stuff. I so. mean, that's the heart. The, the thing that's really come about in the last two years is, like, what is dinf- disinformation? And then are people – should people be allowed to say whatever they want? It's it's the whole thing. Like, I, d- I may not agree with what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. Well, that's – if you're talking about free speech, then it's government intervention on free speech, right? Right. Well, so you get private. arrested for saying it. Yes. And this is a company, which yeah. is there is the difference. Yeah. So you I, can still yeah. get thrown out of a bar for fucking, you know, dropping the N-bomb on somebody mm-hmm. or, you know, calling the bartender a cunt. You know, you're going to get thrown out of the bar for that. Like, and I, and you can argue that, that, um, that Twitter being a private company or 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 be not a private company but being a business that ha, that can ban people is somehow bad and i will i will listen to your argument but it's not the fucking first amendment the first amendment is government right and you're right to, and you're and are you getting arrested 
for what you're saying, not are you being thrown out of somewhere or being quote canceled, not getting a job, not getting a gig. That's, well, that's not fucking these First two Amendment. Colliding ideas where one is we want free speech on this platform no matter what, and then you okay, well it's not a public utility or it's not the actual public square. It is a private thing. It's like you like like you're saying so. One cannot; they both can't exist at the same time. Yeah, yeah. But but I don't want. But it. The only reason that Twitter is, is, <laughs> Twitter's not pleasant. But the only reason it's as pleasant as it is, is because of some level of content moderation. With no content moderation at all, if you with absolute free speech, it would be, a fucking horrid cesspool of harassment and fucking racism and terrible, terrible things. I personally don't want it to be that. You know, I, I, I don't. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, it's a weird, it's a weird world we live in and we are trying to adjust to it as quickly as possible. It's yeah. like, you know. But to say you're a free, a free speech absolutist, it's like this isn't, this is not free speech. You're not talking, you're, the government's not coming to arrest people for tweeting. Right. Unless but, it's the SEC and you're tweeting in violation, but of it's a very that. good talking point to gain right. fans, supporters, etc. Is to act like you are being demonized, right. by the government yes. when you're not. Yes, I, the richest person in the world, the, the most powerful people on the planet, am the real victim here. It's the simplest trick. It's the simplest <laughs> trick is to create an enemy and then present yourself as either the martyr yep. or the solution to the enemy. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. First the martyr, then the solution. Yes. Yeah. The oh. final solution. <laughs> yeah, the only, so far, only one person has used that particular <laughs> card. But yeah. So anyway, yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm against, and I believe that uh, I believe that ultimately the 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 board of directors will um will you know make the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, let's go to questions from the Patreon. Um, Patreon.com slash the Smoking Tire Podcast, of course, is how you get your questions in the show. It's how you uh, have a show without advertising. It's how you get shows uh, the day they are recorded rather than waiting Tuesday, Thursday. Um, um, yeah, that's how, that's where you do it. And uh, as low as three bucks a month. I'd, I'd like to have another higher tier. I'd like to I'd like to push this baby into 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 <laughs> higher gear. Sure. I'd like to see maybe what uh, what we could add. That would be fun. I think we've discussed credits, a credit reel. Mm-hmm. If you want to, you can have your name in the show, the supporter, show credits right. uh, for a, a next uh, level. Um, I don't know. We could do, we could maybe do some, some merch or some swag or uh, something. People Sign, like all of those things. Signed nudes. <laughs> We're going to need a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll do it. Yeah. But I need to be able to retire immediately. <laughs> Never be seen Because I won't be hired again. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, what do we got? Jake says I moved, uh, having moved from Jersey to Vegas. This has been the first time I've been uh, exposed to Mexican market cars that come up on vacation. Yeah, you start. You're in the Southwest here. Uh, you will see cars on Mexican tags. Are there any Mexican cars we don't get in America that you'd like to drive? I mean, Amarok. Well, sure. m- yeah. I mean, there's not. I don't know of any cars that are Mexican only. There's a lot right. of like global market cars that they get down there, like the Volkswagen Amarok, which I guarantee you would be very disappointing to drive. It'd probably be a fucking Touareg with yeah. a bed on it. Yeah. Um, what they do have are some really great vans. 
Got some great Toyota uh, vans, like, you know, 12-passenger vans, diesel, manual, transmission, good stuff. Um, but I don't – there was – I mean, I was in Mexico for five days. I saw one Porsche. It was a Cayenne S. Like, the, Mexico is a very harsh place for cars. The roads aren't great. It's very hot and dirty and dusty. And so cars are – not that there aren't car enthusiasts. I'm sure if you go into Mexico City, you'll find some car enthusiasts. Oh, but, for sure. But you see a lot of um, – you know, the folks who, who really want to play with cars, they're off-road toys. They've got Raptors. They've got trophy truck kind of stuff, side-by-sides. But well, I don't think I don't think they have – there's no, like, MDM, like Mexican domestic, right. domestic market the way there is Japan or Germany. Right. Where it's like, oh, man – only they got the super fast hatchback no, that we yeah. can't get. It's, it's going to be sold other places. What happens down there is the, the cars discontinued in America and then continually sold in up, Mexico Centra? for another yeah. 10 fucking years. Yeah. Uh, Mike Manillo says, after spending a bunch of time with Donald, can you guys explain the difference between motoring, touring, and driving? Uh I think the age of the car. Driving is uh, any car newer than 20 years. Touring is a, a car driving a car from uh, that's twenty to forty years old, and motoring is when you need a fucking mechanic to come with you. I, I would say touring is driving for pleasure, driving is driving for a task, and motoring is touring, but you need a mechanic. In a really old yeah. car, yeah, yeah. When when leather is involved in the drivetrain somewhere, yeah, that's that's when you're motoring. And touring has a destination. You're you know you're 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 going on a tour. Uh, know, yeah, that's true, like, usually. Yeah. Motoring Going on a just... vacation or on a road trip of some kind. Yeah. Josh J wants me to elaborate on my hate for the moon swatch. Um, he says, hype and long lines are dumb, but at MSRP, it doesn't seem like a bad deal for a cool swatch brand collaboration. So uh, I, I agree. Okay. At, at MSRP, which is like $250. There is there are things you can buy that are more garbage than that. But for $250, you are buying a plastic watch. You're buying a swatch. Swatches are like 80 bucks. They're plastic. They have cheap movements. They're not made to last. They're fundamentally disposable. And if you're a huge swatch collector and you've got 3,000 fucking swatches, God bless, get this one. But my my hate for it is that basically... Omega, they, they've knocked off themselves. It looks like a Speedmaster. And if you don't know the ins and outs of a real Speedmaster, it looks a lot like a Speedmaster. Um, it's not made well. It's made of plastic. It's got a crappy quartz movement in it. Um, and for the same amount of money, um, you can buy um, real, like a, a watch that will literally last you the rest of your life. Like I own Seikos that were cheaper than the Omega Seiko, collab Seiko collaboration watch that will literally last me forever. Um, they use words like bioceramic, which is plastic. That <laughs> literally means plastic. Right, so it looks, it's the same case sh shape. The dials are rotated in a different way. Right, because the movement is a shitty quartz movement. Um, but like, so uh, the fact that there is hype behind it makes me hate it more. Is it basically like if you have if you like Omegas but you have Swatch money now you can get a knockoff Omega? You're but buy a fucking fake. Go to Chinatown and buy a fake. It'll look the dials will be in the right orientation. 
you know they're they're fa- they're knocking off themselves right. with permission basically um, and I'm not trying to be an elitist snob. I'm not saying if you don't have eight grand to buy a Speedmaster, then fuck you. You're a piece of shit. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, like, for $250, you can buy a watch. And I keep going back to Seiko because it's, to me, the most honest watch brand out there at that price. They're not just designing a watch, they manufacture, they design and manufacture the whole movement, top to bottom, soup to nuts. They do all that. And you can buy that watch, and you can treat it like garbage, and it will still, in spite of you, last you the rest of your life. When people ask me about, should I buy this watch or should I not buy this watch, my first thing is not how it looks, it's not the color or the size, it's, is this a quality item that will last you a long time? Because the question with the moon watch is like, will anyone care about this in a year? Like right. it feels like the hype is really big. There were lines out the door. People were flipping them on the internet. Yeah, and like like that NFT tweet. <laughs> in two years' time, is anyone going to be buy that swatch from you for over the four hundred dollars you paid on eBay? Probably no, not. it's not a limited piece. They're available. On, they're going to be available online. You just order it. They're yeah. going to be available. They make right. as many as they can sell, and it it looks just enough like the real thing that someone who doesn't know any better might. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like it's not different enough that it's like a cheeky thing it's like it's like not they knocked they knocked off themselves they allowed their you know and omega is part of the swatch group swatch is not just the brand of watches it is the name of the umbrella company that owns a bunch of other brands oh, okay right so they have it they have permission so I'm not like anti-collabs per se I'm kind of anti-collabs because most of them aren't that good um, and well, Kanye worked pretty well with shoes, and that collab was great. <laughs> well, but like Supreme is another example. I don't even like, know what they are. I just see their sticker and I get upset. Exactly, because they just they apply their you know the thing to the thing, and it somehow is something worth worth doing. Um, and maybe that just makes me seem old and uncool because I'm not into collabs, and that's like what or drops per se. Um, but with watches. I'm, uh, my 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 main thing is is this a quality item or is this a cheap piece of shit? Mm-hmm. And that's a cheap piece of shit. If you collect cheap pieces of shit, fucking collect <laughs> collect that. You like plastic watches? Fucking have at it. But like, you're not buying a high quality item. Right. So that's why I don't like the fact that somebody people would stand in line overnight for something that is so obviously a cheap piece of junk. And you know what I mean. And then yeah. other idiots would flip, would pay deep into the four figures or even sometimes five figures for a cheap piece of junk is just- it's, That's crazy. It's so stupid to me that it that it makes me angry at how stupid it's we the, are. Yeah, the hype train is strong. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, I think we solved, Don, we went to Dante's uh, thing. Yeah, uh, the Autopian is the answer, Dante. Yeah, right. Adam says, uh, two questions or requests. Any good gin suggestions? Um, I like St. George. What's what, Sipsmith? Big, big fan of that. Yeah, Sipsmith is great. Monkey Forty Seven is good. Um, yeah, I like that. Uh, and uh, Adam wants to hear more about oh my kitchen in my new house. What's the deal with your BTUs? The BTUs, baby. It's all about those BTUs, brother. I put a bigger gas line in for more BTUs. Uh, we went from a one inch to a inch and a half gas line, so we could have long tubes. 
<laughs> it's like having long two headers. Yeah. yeah, it's like going from a two-inch exhaust to a three-inch exhaust. Have, have MagnaFlow. Have Richard White exactly. set you up with your tube. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's just about those BTUs, brother, and and about and about the air going out. The suction of the overhead fan is uh, like ten thousand cfm. That's important. That's, yeah, yeah. Have you ever been in a bathroom where you turn the fan on and you're like, that's not going up. <laughs> that's going up and then against the ceiling and right. back down. Right. This is a lie. Yeah. Uh, Foxicious. This question is a little complicated. If you had to pick a single color, what? For six of your favorite manufacturers that suited each of their whole lineup? What? So, like, if, if you, what color would you choose for Ferrari for all of their cars for the last 50 years? Like, you red. can choose one. So, red. Right. Yeah. So, that's, I think that's the okay, question. Okay. So, oh, so red for Ferrari. The cars they the colors they race with in Formula One. Right. Red for Ferrari. Blue for Ford. Blue for Ford. Silver for Mercedes. White for Audi. Probably green for Lotus. Green for Lotus. Uh, BMW would also be blue. A different blue. Yeah. Uh, I would say chalk for Porsche. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. They have so many better colors. I'm so sick of chalk. I'm so yeah. over that shit. Sure. And... Uh, for for uh for Chevy yellow yellow the yellow Corvette yeah it's also the the bow tie color yeah. yeah yeah all right uh solitary hero what is a better driving experience a nine nine one GTS manual or a nine nine one T manual I mean you're really splitting hairs uh, you're re unless you drove those cars immediately the G the difference is power the GTS has more power. The the T has the T's have the small engine mm -hmm. with some light weighting stuff. Isn't it smaller? Isn't it narrower? No, not oh, a nine nine one. Nine nine one are the same. Oh yeah, um, the oh, was it narrower? I thought it was a smaller vehicle. Mm, I want to say, hmm. Hmm. The odds are that I'm wrong in this arena. 991.2, is there one body for all the Carreras and one? Uh, I mean, that wouldn't be the most noticeable thing, though. The most notable, the most noticeable thing is really the power difference. And you can get some of the way back there with a, an ECU tune. Now, the, the GTS has some other hardware stuff that it's not just a tune, but it's, it's, um, it, it's really just the power. I mean, there's, you can option, you know, you don't notice lightweight glass really in the T. The T is a collection of options. Like the T and the GTS are actually very similar theories, yeah, right? Yeah, the idea is the same. The idea is the same. You take a collection of performance options and you apply them, in the case of the T to the base car, in the case of the GTS to the S car, and you get like a 10 to 15% discount by buying those options in bulk, mm -hmm. basically. So the, the experience is not hugely different. One just goes faster. So yeah, that's it. Ryan West, do we think Rogan and company are being paid by Tesla? I don't. I just don't think that. The, I I I think they've that 
Joe has fallen victim to the Elon's nice to me, therefore he must be a good person. I don't know what they're referring to. Is, uh, is, I mean, they, he, he sucks up to Elon. Oh. He, he, he sucks up to Elon in a pretty I mean, he probably doesn't way. pay attention to NHTSA rules, lack of response, yeah. crash, like the way we do. Like, yeah. It's just that he has lots and lots and lots and lots of things he's trying to learn at the same time. Yeah. I don't think he needs to be paid by Tesla for anything because he has a fuck ton of money. He has so, way too much money. Yeah. He's, he's just like a fan of the thing he drives, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I just I don't think he anal he looks into it analytically in, right. in the way that we do, um, and a lot and more importantly, it's not that's not like Joe's problem. Like he, he he's not a, he's a car person, but he's not like it's not his job. Yes, like a lot of people don't pay attention to the very important details that are the difference between. This everything. Is, uh, yeah. I mean, everything. Yeah. The number of things going on in the world where it's like, have you seen this? It's terrible. And you're like, no, I didn't have time. I had to feed my kid yeah. and take a shit. You're like, oh, oh, well, yeah. tomorrow. Like, this is how it works. Yeah. You know, we can't, we all can't, we can't all analyze everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, JK, uh, if you weren't automotive journalists who drive press cars all the time, would your personal car buying choices be different? Uh, yes, definitely. Definitely. I would, I... My my personal car buying choices are based entirely around the fact that I have press cars to drive a lot. I probably wouldn't have a bunch of old shit. I'd probably yeah. put my money into a very usable, modern, you know, sports car that I could drive like all the fucking time for a bunch of different things. You yeah, know? same. Um, and the fact that I do have the fact that I have press car access also eliminates my need or helps me recognize that if I tried to keep up with the Joneses with all the new supercars and stuff, I w I'm, I'm glad I'm not in that that game. I'm glad I don't have a Huracan but see the new Huracan and want to buy that mm -hmm. and then see the new McLaren and want to buy that. There's a lot of these folks we see at car shows that always need to have the newest thing, but getting to taste the newest thing for a week at a time does a lot of scratching of that itch. Well, and also by testing the thing, you know, for a little bit, I think we're allowed to like calm down. Like if you if you were constantly shopping for a new thing, yeah. you get the anticipation, right? And you're so excited to go to the dealership and you, and you, you already think you want to buy this thing. Yeah. So you probably buy the thing and then you overlook what's wrong with it. You might overlook the capacitive buttons or the haptic stuff. Yeah. And then you just sign the thing and you get the lease going and then you go, oh, you know, six months later, yeah, you know, the, the new golf, I kind of wish I had the old one. Yeah. So I think we're able to like be a little bit more measured and just kind of calm down before we would make a purchase decision. Yeah, and getting to go out and drive shit really fast, you know, like press cars and give it, give them back and whatever. It makes me kind of appreciate like, like I don't feel the need to do that with my own cars. So having a Ferrari from the eighties is, is a more rewarding experience. Cause I don't, I don't get that experience from the new cars. Right. You right. know, but I drive the new cars so I know what it's like and I get it out of my system and then it's a different, you know, it's a different thing. So I like that. Um, uh, Cy Turner wants to sample LA car. What cars and coffees do you recommend? I mean, 
it depends on what weekends you're here. Like the one in Malibu is like the first and third weekend of the thing. There's one in Manhattan Beach. It's like the fourth Saturday of the month. And blah, blah, blah. so like there's like all kinds of there's like Manhattan Beach. There's the Huntington Beach one. There's Malibu. There's um, uh, Supercar Sunday in the Valley. I mean, there's so many of them. It really depends but, on what part of town you're staying in with your yeah. family. And then there will be. And one also near what you. weekend you're you're coming like. They're not every every single weekend. A lot of them are one weekend a month or every the other. Bills week. is like every week, basically. Yeah, that's become a real fucking problem. The that's fucking the, the sheriff's department is like now fucking back involved, and so you can't go to Bills before ten a.m. Now, um, it's really a fucking, um, it's really a. There problem. are a lot of basically there are a lot of them, and there are some that we don't even know about. Like I'll be looking at Instagram, and Die was like, at some tuning shops, like you know Japanese cars and coffee. And there's like a hundred cars there. I'm like, I didn't even know about it until it was already happening. Yeah. So just follow people on Instagram and you'll see yeah. something. Instagram is the best the best way to figure it out. Uh, Miguel Flores, I don't really understand the question. Uh, 911R were those investment machines? I heard they were all flipped for profit. I mean, a bunch were, but like a bunch weren't. I mean, that, that here's a car that was like I think it was maybe two hundred and eighty thousand mm-hmm. new. And they only made a small number. Now, I remember that at the time they made the 911R, the GT3 didn't have a manual. Right. So it was the only way you could get that engine with a stick. So, of course, there was a major flip that happened afterwards. Porsche then came out with the GT3 Touring to give a middle finger to those flippers. Mm-hmm. The Touring isn't exactly the same car as the 911R. There are subtle differences, but it's pretty close. So a bunch of people flipped them. Then the Touring came out, and the you know the the 911R went from 280 MSRP, flipping for eight nine hundred for a couple months. Crazy. Touring comes out, they drop down to around four hundred, and now and then for like a few years they hovered in the threes, fours, and now they're because of the market of everything is high, they're back up, and very low mileage ones are high fours, maybe low fives, and there's a ton of money, um, but. I have a client who keeps a 911R here at Westside Collector Car Storage, has no interest in selling it, and when he comes to Los Angeles, that's his car. He fucking drives it. And I know a few people that have 911Rs that really, really enjoy driving them. Um, and it's like any other very rare Porsche. Some people buy them to appreciate them, and some people... You know, when the when the 918 Spider came out, if you bought one of those new... You got early, you got access to all the GT cars. You got a you got a license. You all those allocations for ten years. If you bought a 918 Spider, you could get an allocation for every GT car they came out with for ten years. Wow. These people are rich as fuck, and they're not stupid. <laughs> so if you're if you have the allocation, just you just take it. You just buy it. And you drive the car a couple times, and if you don't like it, you flip it, and your allocation is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, you know, the people who liked the car kept the car. It's like there are some people that intentionally bought them as investments, and then there are people that they happen to be investments yeah. because they have the allocation, and yeah. it, it turned profitable automatically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan E says, "Who will be the first manufacturer to make an EV with a dual motor, rear wheel drive only setup?" Dodge. Oh yeah, I was gonna say Porsche, yeah. but it's tear up the Dodge. streets is the Dodge EV motor EV. Yeah, yep. Tear up the streets, baby. 
It's going to be a dodge. Silent burnouts. Um, Sean Gallagher says, in 10 years, do you think exotic manufacturers or, quote, common manufacturers are making gas-powered manual sports cars, or are we looking at a future of mild hybrids with four-pot turbos and paddles? When will we stop seeing fuel delivered to gas stations? I don't think we'll stop seeing fuel delivered to yeah. gas stations in our lifetime. That's a long way. We may long. see a reduction in the number of gas stations because if you looked throughout our country, there are probably too many. Yeah. I mean, sometimes there's four at one intersection. Yeah. We don't we don't need that. We could cut the number of gas stations in our country in half and still have plenty of fucking gas stations. Yeah. I'm not saying that there's a town with one gas station and we should take their gas station away. Are you? Nowhere. I think you are. That's what I'm saying. I think that's what you're that's saying. What I'm saying. Liberal. I'm saying fuck those fucking, fucking country liberal. hicks and their one gas station. You don't want them station. to have gasoline? That's there are, like Zach just said, intersections in Los Angeles where there is a, it's a four-way intersection and there's four gas stations. I went to one because there was a hydrogen station at only one of them yeah. and the directions weren't specific enough and I was like, which one is it at? I thought it was at the gas station. <laughs> um, I think we will see an absolute reduction in the number of companies that make manual sports cars, but they will still be for sale in 10 years. It just may be special editions or from really small manufacturers like Morgan or yeah. any of those like new pop-ups like that, you know. Glickenhaus. Glickenhaus. They yeah. make an Austin Healey that's 500 grand, like mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, and, and and it's kind of our own fault. Totally. 100%. If we just, if we just bought, if we, if we, the customer, presented business, a business case for them making them, they would make them. Yes. I mean, Porsche still makes them. It's literally supply and demand. Yeah. It's like the first lesson you ever have in economics class. Yeah. If no one is demanding manuals, they will stop supplying them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Derek. Uh, let's see. Derek Yegan. Looking to upgrade my girlfriend's 2012 Yaris. Something that can get out of its own way but isn't too big. Currently suggesting Kona N, Elantra N, and Mazda 3 hatch. Well, we have a video coming out with the Elantra N. We've driven the Mazda 3. Um, and uh, The Kona N is nice. It's an Elantra N. Uh, with a taller roof. With a taller roof, and it's a little better looking and has a uh, seat height she might like better. Yeah, the Elantra N, we, 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 we just had it for a little while. I mean, it's a nice car. Mm -hmm. you, get, you get a lot of, lot of performance for your money. Um, it has, it has, it's pretty fast. Uh, the dual clutch gearbox was good. I didn't love the seats, but if you don't look like me, if you look more like Zach than me, you might like the seats a little better. I found the seat bottoms to be a little bit uh, narrow, uh, considering how aggressively bolstered they yeah. are. It's also, if she wants a sporty vehicle, fine. If she doesn't want that, like the, I think the I think the highway miles per gallon on the Elantra N was like thirty one or thirty two. Yeah. But you can get a Civic or whatever these days that get like forty or high thirties. And if she's doing twenty five miles each way, that will add up in terms of cost. So. And also the like, the Elantra N feels sporty like all the time. True. Like it's it's nice, but like if you if 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 she drives a Yaris right now, and. It'll you're like trying to car. get her into an N. Because It'll your feel WRX like a is broken, right. which you're rebuilding. Right. So I see what you're up to. I see what you're but doing, like, Derek. The Mazda 3 Turbo had, was a really nice place to be. It wasn't that fast, but it wasn't bad. Mm -hmm. it, it The materials, the stuff you touched, um, the style of the interior was very nice. And so if you're really just like 
running errands around town and you have a special car for fun stuff, cruising, camp, whatever, um, and you want good fuel economy and, and a nice place to spend your time, like maybe that Mazda. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Or even, I mean, even the new Civic is is really very a very nice place to spend your time. Um, oh, boy. We have a, what one, do we got? Five. All right. Ben Halloran, first sports car, 23 years old, owns a Mark VI Golf. I'm looking to buy either a 2011 Boxster S, a 2008 Z4M, or a 2006 S2000. All of these are between $26,000 and $33,000. I have a $3,000 budget for mods such as coilovers. Well, first off, if you have that $3,000 budget, it's not going to be going to coilovers. Sure isn't. Uh, I That's guarantee you budget, my friend. a 2011 Boxster S or a 2008 Z4M will need at least three grand worth of something. Yeah. Guaranteed. fucking teed. And if it doesn't from the day you buy it, it will in the first few months. Yeah. For sure. Um, now, in just a group, just driving dynamics, I would rather own the, the Boxster S probably. Probably. Yeah, and it's also your first sports car, so I think that is the safest and most forgiving one because the engine's in the middle, so it's less likely to swap ends when you get something wrong. Whereas the S2000, I don't know if that's AP1 or 2, but like they're known for having oh, that toe two. change. So it's a little bit more on the edge. you got to be way up in the rev range. Like it's definitely, I feel like it's more of an advanced car. Um, and then the Z4M... I don't know. I think just I think the box is more interesting, and the Z4 was probably less reliable. So S two thousands are that's going to be the least good to drive of those three, for, like for just driving. Just around. for just driving. Yeah, yeah. No torque. You know, not particularly exotic feeling unless you're really romping the shit of it. Nice shifter. Only ergonomics are good if you are the right size. Yeah. Otherwise, they're bad. And yeah. you can't change them. And they're fucking loud on the, on the highway. The road, they're, they're, they're light, but like the road noise, the wind noise, like it's not a refined experience. Um, you know, Z4M, I don't know if he's talking about it. I does, he doesn't say coupe here. Um, but if it is a coupe, it's, it's much more refined inside. Um, and Boxsters are pretty good with the top up. Z4M will probably be the fastest. Um, I'd rather own the Boxster, but I would. The problem with Boxsters is there's a lot of stuff that you that is expensive to fix because you either have to take the engine out or you have to get take like the top out to get to the engine. Like there's just like. A lot of extra steps in doing in repairing, main, in repairing Whereas things. Whereas the Z4M, them. you could pretty repair straightforward. most of yourself with YouTube. Yeah, pretty yeah. straightforward. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm also not that into S2000s. I realize there are people who do really like them a lot. Maybe it's just because I don't fit in them. But they just they don't really do anything for me, especially not at collector grade pricing. And it seems like he's driving from the UK and thinking of driving to the Nurburgring. Yeah, um, for road trips, I'd rather have the Boxster. Or the, yeah, or the Z4. Yeah, uh, yeah. Can, take into consideration like what's your repair budget? Is it three grand a year? Like if you're gonna want to do these repairs yourself, uh, Z4. Yeah. Stephen Hamilton wants to talk about a uh, three pedals in the Supra. Toyota teased the uh, mm-hmm. manual. Uh, you know, they good. They should have. I mean, hopefully it has a BMW gearbox and not the crappy one. Well, hopefully. 
the BMW gearbox will be strong, but it'll probably still have the shifter we don't love. But yeah. the aftermarket will hopefully help with that. And uh, it'll be interesting interesting to see going back to take rate, supply demand. Like how many people are going to order that? Everyone everyone compl- everyone likes to complain when the companies don't make the thing, mm-hmm. and then only ten percent of the people who complain usually buy the thing. So I'm happy because it'll be a video that we can make. <laughs> That's because it means that it means because we're only doing sports and sporty cars. I'm constantly worried about running out of cars. So if they if they make it and it comes out this year, that would be nice. I mean, I'm happy for you know clutch kicks and row your own and all those other things. I hope uh, it's with the six though. I hope it's not just a four cylinder option because the four cylinder sucked. Yeah, that would be the four cylinder was lame. pretty weak. Yeah, we'll see what it feels like. Uh, Chappie says, "Have we seen complaints from F1 drivers uh, that the Aston safety car is too slow compared to the Merc?" I haven't. Oh yeah, I did. Really? Verstappen was like, the safety car was just going a lot slower than when the Mercedes was leading the the drive. Really? Yeah, which is kind of funny. They think it's the car. They think it's the drive. The person driving it is it the same person driving it? Great question. I don't know if it's the same person driving it. I mean, the Mercedes is quite a bit quicker. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, but that's uh, funny. I thought it was funny because Aston could have been like, "Well, we still passed you at the end because Max's <laughs> shit broke." Uh, no, I haven't seen that, but Zach uh, Zach confirms, and that is indeed funny. People are are complaining that mm-hmm. they went slower. Maybe that's why Aston's doing the V twelve Vantage for the new instead of. Uh, what they, well, what are they running around at V eight Vantage instead in front the of the Vantage F one edition? Yeah, that's right for the, for the pacing of the cars. That's very funny. I mean, it's definitely not going to be as fast around the track as the AMG GTR. Like, not at all. Uh, James Cowley, will petrochemical companies fuel their own downfall with rising gas prices and record profits? Well, record profits certainly won't won't uh, fuel their downfall. Yeah. Uh, at what point, he says, will gas prices outweigh the lacking infrastructure offerings for electric cars? Um, would you expect this point in time to arrive soon or once we get summer blend in SoCal? I mean... It's certainly not happening this year. If he think if they think they're gonna if he thinks that we're gonna have electric infrastructure that'll outweigh the efficiency of the gasoline infrastructure this year by summer, no, not happening. No, no, no. it takes a very very long time to build those things. I mean, look, gas prices going up are are bad on an individual level, right? Because it costs people money and it affects people who have the least money the most. Right. right? It affects food prices. It affects everything. Yeah. Um, but in in Europe, for instance, they drive way more efficient cars than we do here. <laughs> in general, the trucks are more efficient. Not everyone who swings a hammer for a living drives a fucking F-350. You know, uh, I, I, I have... And I I recognize that I say this as a wealthy person, but I've always thought that if our gas prices got to where Europe has been living for 20 fucking years, that we might stop buying such ridiculously huge vehicles for every little task. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that there's not... And and I'm talking about luxury cars. I'm talking about trucks. Like, in Europe, you can get, like... A, a, a diesel six-cylinder S-Class. And I, maybe diesel isn't the answer because it's not with, with the environment or whatever. But, but you know, Audi, for instance, the, the regular A8 now is a, is a twin-turbo six, not a, the a standard being a V8. You know, like, I, I would like to see, you know, us as a nation become a little less egregious with the way that with we our are consumption. with our consumption right um and so 
it would be much easier, um, it, it, you know, if it forced big spenders such as the U.S. Postal Service and bus infrastructure and and big corporate fleets to move towards electric or move towards a, a more efficient propulsion. And it would be nice if some of our citizens recognize that that we don't need these enormous vehicles for everyday tasks. You don't need to buy a Suburban because you had a baby. That's not necessary. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> um, you know, my friend Dave, who I like very, very much, had his first had a chi- first child and went out and bought a fucking Hyundai Palisade. Like, what do we need that giant thing for? <laughs> like, you know, stu- yeah, to put stuff in, and then you have now you have a bigger void. You need to buy more things to fit in the void. But yeah. yeah, the families in Europe have been doing it without those vehicles for a very long time. Yeah, so it's kind of like we need a catalyst. It's also Misha uh, Mansour pointed this out to me that like the prices are not that crazy when adjusted for inflation. It's like our gas prices have underpaced inflation. Yeah. And now, well, a few and, companies and have been like subsidized. We've been, right. we've been subsidizing these fuckers. Of course, which people don't realize, but if we, but oftentimes people that are against subsidies for like solar, you know, uh, companies don't realize that we are subsidizing yeah. corn, ethanol, other yeah. things like that. Like a lot of money goes into all these different places. It just may, it just may be just like in, oh, was it four-ish? We we're getting bigger and bigger SUVs, excursion, expedition, da da da. Like there was just this, this cock pump measuring contest happening with SUVs, and then gas prices spiked because of the war, and it was like, uh, Prius, <laughs> yeah. introducing the Prius. Yeah, everyone's buying a Prius. This might be the same thing where it it kind of checks us because we were getting a little out of hand. Like all the markets were very frothy. Yeah, as of last year, stock, crypto, cars, everything was cheap. Money was fucking. You know, they'll give you money for no interest. Yeah. And so this is what happens. Like, things take a tumble and we have to get checked. Yeah. It would be nice if it was, if it caused a change that lasted instead of a temporary five-year change where right. people start buying hybrids, but then gas gets cheap again and they go back to buying trucks. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't, I think for, for like, if you really, really need a truck, you really, really need to tow something, like, okay, I, I got it. But like... A lot of places I visit in this country where, you you know, just the your your drive to work vehicle or your go to the office vehicle is a fucking enormous, enormous thing. And like and so, like the Range Rover, like the big engine was nice. I you know it gets you to sixty in like four and a half seconds. So getting on on ramp, it just feels like you're getting up to speed quicker. And then when I drove the v, the inline six, it was like all right, yes, it felt slower. But what you're doing in a Range Rover is just getting up to whatever the speed limit is and yeah. then just sitting in a comfy place. Yeah. Like no one's racing these things. You don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's fun to have the big loud engine, but I think society would be fine if everything got downsized a little bit. Well, that's also, it's, it's you know, we say this about electric cars a lot too. It's, I, I understand because a, a big engine feels powerful even when you're not using all of it, but with an electric car, it feels exactly the same as the smaller one when you're not using all of it. There's mm-hmm. literally no difference. Right. And so I, that's why it kind of makes me sad to see this ridiculous um, horsepower war in electric cars because it's not like you are rewarded, you get to feel the cami, burble toony fucking hot rod motor versus a puny little four-cylinder. It's like, no, no, they feel exactly the same. Yeah. It's just like... What the difference is what happens on the floorboard. They sound and feel exactly the same when you're looking for a parking spot. Yeah. You know, whereas if you're driving a demon, yeah, yeah. it feels different. Yeah. 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 So um 
I don't know. I hope that I hope that it affects market trends. But unfortunately, like a lot of a lot of the way our society is set up is that more equals better. Yeah. You sell more things, you build more things, you make more things, you get people to buy more things, you pile more profit into those things and and that's how our society is set up. Our society is not set up to reward using less, you know, or or buying something smaller or down, you know, or right. or doing anything that actually like we literally are at a point where, <laughs> where we have to hope that companies will just be like yeah let's save the planet <laughs> like we just have to hope that's gonna happen yeah like, there, was, there was a time uh where public storage didn't really exist yeah which was interesting like that whole thing like the companies but also just the idea of like having these places that you rent because you can't fit all your stuff didn't really exist because we didn't buy as many things. And then consumption grew. Where are we? I, I, yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> you know. And even just household stuff like, okay, well, I have these extra baseball cards and I don't know when I'm going to need this extra dresser, but I should yeah. keep it just in case. You know, we just store stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't – it's – it's a totally valid comparison. I don't think storage units necessarily are are, are a problem. No, no, no. I'm but, just saying but, it, it's an it's an indicator of a society that had became one that was right. built based on consumption. Right. Because our basically our economy is based on consumption. Right. I'm glad that we are able to have cars stored. Like we're pretty spatially dense here as far as parking lots go. Most people aren't going five vertical and, and doing 130 cars in, in 10,800 square feet. I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. And by having a space here, it means that people aren't trying to build bigger garages on the beach hmm. or in places where, you know, they're not tearing down a beautiful old home that might have a smaller driveway or car to, to do that or trying to fucking, you know, build some colossal thing. I, I'm glad that we get to do that. But like... Yeah, and, and, and regarding, like, collector cars, I think, um, I don't want to seem like too much of a hypocrite, but if a car is sitting, it's you know what I mean? It's like you can only drive one at a time. So if you have a few cars, you know, it's not – and you and you, you have a, a reasonably efficient everyday car and then you take out your Porsche a few times a month, I don't think that's so horrible. Um, but – it's not. I don't think it's as horrible as driving around a fucking F three fifty as your commuter and doing forty thousand miles a year in that. I mean, yeah, it would, uh, it would depend on the CO two of each one. But um, if, if someone commutes in, you know, a hybrid normally, and then they yeah. have a fun car, like that is, yeah, you are making less of a dent for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I realize I'm in the collector car storage business, but I just. I think the f the fuel prices would it would be nice if it if it pointed us in the direction of maybe consuming a little less, you know. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, oh man, I don't want to answer that one. Right. <laughs> like that we ended on a strong one. We ended on a strong one, and that one's like, yeah, I don't like Same. the ones where it's like think of ten things right now. Like, um, what air freshener smells would yeah. you create yeah. for twelve different cars? Um, yeah, what do we got? Uh, what do we got going on uh, next week? Do we have uh, do we have some guest station yet or what? We've got no. We got to figure this one out, huh? Don't we? Don't we? We got the MDX coming in. We've got the new nine eleven turbo lightweighting package. We're gonna have to find some friends to come podcast with us. I think. All right. 
We can do we'll that. Have to work on that. Yeah, and then yeah. we also go to the Nissan launch in two weeks. Yeah, four hundred Z. Four hundred Z. That's um, going to be very fun. I'm going to go drive the GV60, which is like the electric Genesis yes. SUV. Yes. And yeah, it should be good. Yeah, we, it was a dense April in terms of cars. It was. We had a lot. I mean, I did, I drove fucking four cars the week before I went out of town. Um, I, we also drove uh, we drove GT4 RS on the street, which um, oh yeah, which we didn't even get to today. We did not. I forgot. I literally until I looked at my calendar, I forgot all about that. I mean, it's really great. It's really great. Oh, shocking. That's yes. yeah. It is yes. It is very very good. It makes all the right noises. It does. Um, okay, that's our show. Thank you to all our patrons for uh, giving us some good questions, and uh, we will see you next week. Bye.